Time for Tea with Makita is a podcast about redefining self-care. It's about looking at every aspect of our life from music, career, family and relationships and everything in between. It's about spilling tea on those conversations that sometimes are hard to have with other people. Well, we're not ashamed to have those conversations right here. So join me as I spill tea on every topic you ever thought about, talked about, or whispered about. Hey, y'all, it's definitely time for some tea. Hey, it's Makita, and I'm spilling a little tea. Are you thinking about starting a podcast? Then let Buzzsprout help you get started. It's easy, fun, and best of all, you can start for free. Buzzsprout can help you get your message out to all the major podcast channels, as well as give you tips to help you make your podcast a success. Click on the link below or go to buzzsprout.com to get started and join over a thousand podcasters just like me who are already using Buzzsprout. And that's the tea. Welcome back. It is time for Tea with Makita. I hope everyone is having a great day. So far, my day is going spectacular. Um, Today, we are going to be spilling some tea on the importance of sleep. And when we talk about self-care, I don't think we really appreciate and prioritize sleep the way that we should. I know I don't always That's why I am so happy to have with me today, Dr. Funke Brown, to talk about sleep and how important it is and how we can start incorporating more sleep into our lives. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Nikita. I love I love this moment. Just (laughs) chat and have some tea with you. (laughs) Yes, yes. I think it's so important that we really like, you know, bring a spotlight on to sleep, you know, so many times, like we have all these anxieties and all these things going on and we don't realize how much sleep did you get? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's really been one of my passions, just really helping people understand how important sleep is to just daily life, daily living. You know, we, we talk about, you know, self-care and how we should eat healthy and exercise. And I will just say, okay, and try to get sleep, but not really honing in to the fact that actually I feel like, you know, when you talk about sleep, when you talk about diet and exercise, Mm -hmm. sleep is the third pillar of your health, actually, you know, so it's really important for us to start to pay attention to it and just not really now start to perseverate where it now becomes an anxiety provoking issue, but just paying attention to, okay, how am I, how am I feeling during the day and what impact is my, my sleep or lack thereof having on, on my phone, how I'm feeling. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love how you talked about it being the third pillar you know, and it's just a component component of everything else combined. And I know you also work with um, pediatrics and yeah. in the area of sleep. And I don't think really kids realize that they have to get sleep. They think they can go, go, go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they just can get two hours and they think they're great, you know, and it's like, no, you really have to 
to get some rest, some good quality sleep. Absolutely. That's, that's so true. Yes. So I am a pediatric sleep um, physician, but I, so I, I focus more on, you know, taking care of children with different sleep disorders. And I've had people ask, oh, really? Do kids have sleep problems? Um, most people just feel like, okay, you know, during that, in that first year of life, they have, you know, attachments and difficulty falling asleep on their own. And then they just figure it out as they get older. But really, if you think about it, our, our school-age children, our teenagers are just not getting enough sleep. And one of the things that is just really part of my interview when I'm seeing these kids, they may be coming in for, oh, yes, I have snoring, for instance, because children can have sleep apnea and things like that. And I'm asking, how many hours of sleep are you getting? You know, and you hear all kinds of concerning numbers. So, you know, really taking time to help our children understand how important sleep is. Um, of course, when children don't sleep well, then most times their parents don't sleep well as well. So for me, that's one of the things I've been so passionate about, empowering families to prioritize sleeping their children, because when their children sleep better, then they will sleep better as well. So it all benefits everyone. It does. And what happens is, you know, you start off as a kid, a kid and a teenager not sleeping well, and then you grow up into an adult who still yeah. don't sleep well. Yeah. And, <laughs> and mm -hmm. a lot of weight issues, like all those things, like when I don't sleep good, I am the cranky kid. Like I am the cranky kid mm -hmm. <laughs> and I eat poorly that whole day. Like I just, yeah. I'm constantly eating because I'm trying to stay up. So I go for the sugary mm -hmm. drinks, the sugary snacks, you know, yeah. and then I mm -hmm. crash. <laughs> Exactly. That is, so, you are so on point on that. And, you know, this is even backed up by research as well, because when you don't sleep well, you have two hormones that really control our, our appetite that just go out of whack. So the leptin, which really helps you to say, okay, you're, it's, you know, you've had enough. And then there's also another hormone called the ghrelin, which really is sort of your hunger hormone. There's almost like flip. <laughs> mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, if you've not had enough sleep, that leptin is sort of decreased and then you just crave more foods. And, you know, in addition to the fact that that's happening, decision making is a little bit off when you don't sleep well. So you're craving foods and then you're making choices that you typically would not have made if you've gotten enough sleep. And so as a result of that, obesity is really been associated with insufficient sleep, difficulty with losing weight appropriately, and even diabetes as well. Really, really a lot of um, studies have shown an association between increased risk of diabetes. Insulin is not well regulated when you don't sleep well. So this actually has not just the impact on our mood and things like that, but actually on our physical well-being. And so when you think about that, think about the cost of that, what that will cost the healthcare system, even, you know, even the complications from things like that, mm -hmm. if we can at least focus on that one thing that's really achievable, get enough sleep, you know, make sure you prioritize it at least. I think that really is something that I feel like educating the um, community is, is really important to do. It is. I think I was following you um, on your Facebook page and you were talking about getting a nap and then, you know, like midday, like just getting a power nap and how you woke mm -hmm. up refreshed and then y'all were outside riding the bikes. And I was like, that, like, I, I know I should get a nap sometimes. Like I'm actually mm -hmm. tired and I refuse to do it. 
But when I do do the power nap, I do wake up feeling good. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I think, and you think about it in some countries, right? Like some countries in Europe where they have the siesta. Mm-hmm. There's just, a, a, it's it really does have to do with our own circadian rhythm, our body clock. So you get just this natural dip sometime in the afternoon. So not just after you've had a large lunch, it's it's an actual physiologic process that really makes things dip. And so in those countries, you know, they tend to take naps. Of course, in the U.S., we're hardly sleeping enough, talk less of taking a nap. But um, I think you can be strategic with naps. I think the important thing, though, is that the naps are not too long because I'm sure you may have experienced it, too, where you take like a one and a half hour long nap and you're like, Ugh, you feel worse and that's mm-hmm. actually something you call in uh, sleep inertia so you don't want to get to that extent you just want a little um you know 20 tops 30 minute nap just to kind of take that edge off and it does do a lot of good i don't typically recommend it though for people who have difficulties falling asleep so if you are struggling with either insomnia and things like that if you take a nap during the day that may not be ideal because that may actually make it harder to fall asleep. So there's definitely a balance there. But if you're if you if you don't feel like you're getting enough sleep at night and you're feeling that exhaustion, like just taking that little nap, you know, somewhere around 12, 1 or so, take the edge off and go about your day. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was some good information. I didn't really, you know, really think about the, you know, people who suffer with insomnia. Like that's not a good idea. Probably shouldn't do that. But other than that, you know. 20 to 30 minutes at tops, because you're right. I do feel worse when I take a longer nap than before. And as far as, you know, we talked about countries that do take siestas. I wish I was in one, but- I promise you, (laughs) that would be so awesome. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but you know, uh, we we are always on the go here. Like we don't stop. Like it's constant. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to be up at this time. Like you go to sleep at 12 and you want to be up at four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> it is. It is. And even studies have shown that just um if you're short, even if you one night of inadequate sleep already has significant consequences. So we may not feel like we see it overtly, but of course over time it builds up. But even just one night, actually, um, there were some studies where they looked at um, you know, almost like compared blood alcohol levels of people who were like drunk pretty much, mm-hmm. as well as those who had been sleep deprived for 24 hours. And they were just about the same. So driving is also something that, especially my teenagers and things like that. I'm like, if you haven't gotten enough sleep, you should not be on the road. I do not want you on the road, you know, yeah. because it's, you can imagine it's about the same as having a drunk driver. So these are, um, pretty significant to, and it's just one night of, you know, miss skipping adequate sleep. So really something that we should try to aim for, but I, I hear you, it's a struggle. We have all this awesome, amazing things we want to accomplish. Yes. We're like, Oh, please, who has time for sleep? You know? yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How much sleep do you normally, like, do you recommend? Like, I know at one point there was like, you should get at least eight hours of sleep. Now, this was told to me when I was like in my early 20s and I really stuck to it. Like if I didn't get eight hours of sleep, like it was stressful. Like, OK, I need to be mm. sleep at this time. And then I count the hours up. 
Yeah. And yeah, it was it was more stressful trying to figure that out than actually getting the eight <laughs> hours of sleep. But I know yeah. sometimes they say, you know what, you may not need eight hours, a total of whole eight hours of sleep, you know. So does yeah. that even still hold true? You know what? From we um, humans are the only mammals who feel like they don't need enough. If you think about it, every creature sleeps. Mm-hmm. Um, we as humans are the ones that try to shortchange ourselves and kind of burn the candles at both ends. Overall, the general recommendations by the National Sleep Foundation is um, they make these recommendations based on age. So mm-hmm. teens, for instance, typically we recommend that they get about eight to 10 hours of sleep. Um, adults typically you is recommended they get about seven to nine hours of sleep and then older adults get you know it's much a little bit um, fewer hours Mm -hmm. I think more than the absolute number is really getting a sense of how you feel because now with all the technology you have all kinds of sleep trackers and then I have people come into my office with hours and our days and days of data see getting only this number and I'm like wait how do you know that yeah my my Fitbit told me or this told me Uh I mean those things are helpful but we should not get so obsessed with the data that we lose because of the fact that how am I feeling Uh because some people may sleep eight and a half hours and still feel exhausted and still be dozing so that's Uh really meaning that maybe you need a little bit more even though you're still within that recommended ballpark and versus some people seven hours, they're ready to go and function fine. So it's, again, more of how are you feeling when you wake up? Are you waking up only when the alarm clock goes off? You know, mm-hmm. those are ways to tell. Um, one of the things that I sometimes recommend is going on a, I would call it a sleep holiday. So essentially, I, like you do, I know <laughs> if it's, if it's called like sometime like in the summer where you don't have no real serious like obligations either in the morning and at night Mm -hmm. and just like sleep you know like go to bed at the right time at night and just sleep into the morning without the alarm clock and that will help you get a sense of how many hours I actually do need um you know to sleep per night but again the recommended is seven to nine but every bird everybody sort of differs some people need a little bit less some people do need a bit more really depending on what your function is like when you wake up I like the sleep holiday. I think as I've I've aged a little bit over time, mm-hmm. my needs, my body needs are different. So mm-hmm. the sleep holiday, I think, is something I really need to incorporate because I feel like I could sleep all the time. Like I never feel like I'm <laughs> truly rested. And I know when my alarm mm-hmm. clock goes off, I should definitely like get up and you know, mm-hmm. because once you drift back off, it's harder to get back up. Yeah. Yeah, that is so true. You know, that you bring up a really, really good point. And that is, for me, when I think about restful sleep and what it defines, Mm -hmm. it's not just the number of hours of sleep. I know a lot of times we're trying to get the right number of hours of sleep, but it's the quantity of sleep you get, the quality as well, Mm -hmm. um, and the continuity. So even if you feel like, oh, wow, I'm getting, I'm in bed for this number of hours, you know, questions to ask are, is your sleep fragmented in any way? Is anything affecting the quality of your sleep? And things that can affect the quality of your sleep 
are things like, you know, coffee, um, you know, caffeinated beverages, um, if you're alcohol, heavy meals, some medical conditions. So all those things can affect the quality such that even though you have enough quantity, you're still like, what's going on? Why do I feel so exhausted? So they all play a role. Of course, there's also like different sleep disorders, which can also cause um, your sleep not to be as continuous. Um, you know, if you talk about things like sleep apnea or restless leg syndrome and things like that, that affects your sleep being continuous. If you're waking up snoring and gasping, then you feel like, you, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're still exhausted. So those are some things that I usually try to take into consideration. Um, when people say, you know what, I'm getting, I think I'm getting enough sleep, but I'm feel so exhausted so really digging deep, a little deeper well you solved my problem for this week because <laughs> <laughs> i literally ate a bowl of ice cream like three days ah. this week um yeah and <laughs> That's I, woke a, I hope it was what, what flavor was that it was good flavor i need some tips <laughs> <laughs> it was just vanilla and um i mixed oh, some caramel yeah and oh. some yeah i was yeah not tonight though because I, I think <laughs> i need my sleep <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe in the afternoon maybe in the afternoon yeah so i'm gonna switch <laughs> that up <laughs> but i know earlier we were talking about kids and sleep apnea and the fact that parents don't always recognize that kids can have you know sleep apnea like it's actual condition kids can have it i have a a cousin who was actually diagnosed with sleep apnea at the age of 12 mm -hmm. and she uses you know a cpap machine and just how do how do people go about recognizing that in their kids and not thinking oh it's because they play sports and they had a long yeah. day that they're tired <laughs> that is that is so such a good question you're right because most people feel yeah yeah he snores but you know, it's like, I think he's just as a cold or mm -hmm. he's exhausted because he's constantly on the move during the day. So the way you, typically what you notice first is the snoring in children mm -hmm. um, and in adults as well. But it's not just occasional snoring. Some people will say, oh, my child snores when he has a cold or my child snores when he has some allergies and mm -hmm. maybe snores one or two times a week. This is more like persistent every, almost every night, at least three to four nights a week of snoring. Sometimes you may actually hear pauses. And so not hearing them snore may not be a good sign either. They may have pauses in their breathing or gasping. Um, you may see things like maybe a child who was initially dry during the night now bedwetting again or just like really really restless sleep where they're just turning all over snoring you know sweating excessively but there's quite a number of symptoms yeah. and then the other piece is what their function is like during the day um, they may be more cranky you know mm -hmm. they may be more hyperactive or sleepy even um, it's interesting for most children when they're um, when they have sleep apnea, you don't you may not necessarily see that excessive sleepiness where they're sleeping all over. They may actually be sort of almost like overtired and overwired, mm -hmm. and so you may see more of a hyperactivity and things like that. So if if your child has any of those symptoms, it's usually um, helpful to check in with the pediatrician, and they will ask a lot more of those detailed questions. They'll perform a physical exam. Um, the most common cause of sleep apnea in children is big tonsils. Mm -hmm. um, that's the big tonsils and the adenoids. 
Mm-hmm. But now with, you know, with obesity being so common in children, now we're seeing a lot of children who are overweight also having sleep apnea. And so really talking with the pediatrician and then taking it from there, um, if they need to get a sleep study, which is a test where they, you know, they kind of come to a sleep lab and, you know, you have all kinds of wires and things on them to just monitor their breathing during the night, um, then that may need to be done. So those are those are just some of the things that I would think about if there's concern. I think especially if it's not like just an occasional snoring, it's now like um, almost daily. Um, it's important to just bring it up with the pediatrician. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think um, all the parents that are listening really appreciate just ha- being able to like key in and focus on if they, because they may have already heard their kids snoring. They may have already mm-hmm. picked up some signs and just kind of like, yeah. not completely sure. And that yeah. really gives them like a starting point to start at the, yeah. the pediatrician, then go from yeah. there. So that, that's I think, cool. Yes, absolutely. And you know, you think about it, okay, they snore and so what? It's mm-hmm. actually one area of sleep medicine that has been studied extensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that sleep apnea causes a lot of daytime, a lot of consequences, even in children. Mm-hmm. Um, they may be at risk for you know, high blood pressure, learning, um, learning difficulties, um, mood, memory problems. They also can be at risk for, especially the older, like the teenagers, at risk of developing diabetes and hypertension and things like that. So these are all problems we want to address, especially if it's potentially caused by um, a, a, a disorder that's treatable. So I think that's really important to key in the pediatrician and get that treatment as soon as possible. Yes, definitely. Especially when we're talking about our kids, we want them to be healthy and thriving, you know, as a teenager and then go into adulthood the best that they can, the best health and understand health, you know, and how it affects everything. So important. Yes. (laughs) Now, just real quick, we're talking about um, sleep and, you know, is there any, a lot of people like to do, I like to do rituals. I have a little ritual that, you know, gets me calm most of the time, mm-hmm. as long as I leave out the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, do you recommend that people kind of like develop something like a, a routine or of any kind or ritual that really, really gets them to that, especially because people work all types of hours. Like we're not committed mm-hmm. to like one set schedule. So, mm-hmm. you know, just having something consistent. Absolutely. And, you know, that's something that I de- I definitely love to educate people about. You know, our bod- we're creatures of habit. So mm-hmm. our brains, our bodies like to be able to anticipate something. So, so as well sleep. So if you have either something as consistent as possible, it makes you, it helps you with falling asleep. And also a routine is really important. I feel like our newborns and our, you know, our, our infants, our younger children tend to have that nice routine where they either take a shower, read a book, do some, you know, bonding time and going to bed mm-hmm. and, you know, and they sleep and all. And then as they get older, you know, the teenagers don't want to bond anymore. <laughs> no, or, <laughs> you know, they everybody don't. just... <laughs> 
They do everybody not. Just, everybody just goes about their different ways. Um, but I agree with you. The routines are so important. It's really nothing complicated. Um, usually I would recommend two to three calming, relaxing activities heading in the direction of the bedroom. So not like take a bath, come downstairs, play some basketball, then go back upstairs and read the book and then come down. No, just something calming. Usually a bath is always a nice part part of um, a routine, um, you know, either reading a book or doing some meditation, keeping the room nice and dark and cool and really getting your brain in the mood for sleep. So that's something I definitely recommend. Even for our teenagers, just by switching from their day clothes mm -hmm. into their PJs, it's, let's take that. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. something to mark and say, listen, it's now time for bed, you know, and get the devices out of the room and things like that. And for those that don't necessarily want to chat, they're not too chatty at times, offering them things like journaling, I think is a good calm and relaxing activity that a teenager can incorporate as part of their routine. So like two or three calming activities, whatever works for the family mm -hmm. is always very, very helpful for sleep. I like the journaling. I think that is soothing because you get to like yeah. pour out like anything that was going on that day and it kind of releases it, you know, off your mind because it's hard mm -hmm. to go to sleep when your mind is going and thinking about the next thing. So I love yeah. that. That is even I do that because, you know, it's almost as if once your head hits the the pillow, it's like, oh, my goodness, how could I have been better to today? And they always have planning the next day. Um, so it's all it's nice to have that like, a, you know, a journal or notebook or something next to the bedside where you can say, OK, listen, I'm going to put this down so I don't forget it. So my mind doesn't have to hold on to it. Um, I'm going to deal with I'm going to call that person tomorrow. I'm going to make that grocery list, you know, kind of try to get that done, mm -hmm. put that down on paper so that you can focus on sleep. Yes, it's it's a great habit, I think. I do. I believe so. Now, how do you practice self-care daily? I know, you know, as a doctor, you're busy, you have a family. So how do you take time out to practice self-care daily for yourself? Like my, I'm a morning person. Okay. So <laughs> I think that's really where I try to focus my self-care. And usually I start with, you know, some meditation. Mm -hmm. I also, I really started journaling a lot more over the last, you know, year pretty much with you know the pandemic yeah. <clears throat> and so I do some of that or, you know do some reading and then um I might take like a do a power walk um mm -hmm. you know maybe like 30 minutes or so and then come back you know take and by then my family starts to wake up and then we kind of get our day started so typically that's what I that's what I do to practice some self-care I love that. Just being by yourself, like taking time just for you before, yeah. you know, you start pouring into your family and everyone else. That's I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I feel like there's something that always just resounds with um with me. And it's like you cannot pour out of a, an empty cup. You just mm -hmm. can't. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's it's always important, even if it's just like 20 minutes or any amount of time to just be and and really investing in yourself I think is really important to then show up in the best way you can for everyone else you know so 
definitely something that I try to prioritize as much as possible. Well, I think you do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell everyone where they can go, how they can follow you. I know you got these great newsletters on, you know, if you go to your, your website. So tell everyone about that and how they can get in contact with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I am on Instagram. That's where I would say I'm I'm quite active at Restful Sleep MD. And I also have a Facebook page that's Restful Sleep MD. And also I have a YouTube channel now where I release weekly just sleep tips or something that I've, you know, that I'm seeing that's coming up a lot in people's lives. I just try to do a short video on that. And that's at Dr. Funke Brown. And then I also have a, a, a website. If you go to drfunkebrown.com, in addition to teaching people about sleep, I also teach people to radiate their inner brilliance. So I'm just passionate about encouraging people and things like that. So um, that's somewhere that you'll find me as well, either you know, writing a blog or something like that, just to just to inspire people, pretty much. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, I love your blog. I started reading them, and I was like, oh my gosh, like she's talking to me. <laughs> but like you know I could really relate to them and um I have been watching a few of the YouTube so you guys you're gonna definitely have to check Dr. Funke Brown out on her YouTube channel you know hit her up on her Instagram it's a lot of great tips I think sleep is so so important it's one of the for me the number one self-care is getting Mm -hmm. enough sleep that you can function and show up every day at your best optimal self. So absolutely. I love that. I love that. I love sleep advocates. So yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure to have you on spilling delicious tea. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This has been, this has been great. Thank you. So that was definitely a lot of good, delicious tea on sleep. And don't worry if you did not get all of Dr. Funke's Brown's um, information, it will be in the show notes for you. Okay. So don't, don't stress about it. It will be there and hit her up on Instagram. If there's a question that, you know, we didn't ask, or it made you think about something else, you know, connect with her, let her answer your questions. I think this is so vital that we connect and really This is how we redefine our self-care, right? This is how we put ourselves first because we show up every day and we want to show up at our optimal best. And I love the fact that we were able to spotlight that sleep for kids is so important and really looking at, you know, how much sleep our kids are getting and is it really quality sleep? Like what's going on there? How can we help them develop their own ritual and routine And I really love the fact that she said, you know, journaling before bed. That is something I would have never thought about, you know, for our kids and teens to really do, but such a great way to get them started. Because like we talked about earlier, when we have bad sleep patterns as a kid and a teenager, we carry that over into our adult life and we just keep recycling that. So let's start off the right way. Let's get our kids you know, uh, understanding like how important our health is and how important it is to get the, the, not just, you know, a certain amount, amount of sleep, but 
actually quality sleep. That's what it's all about, getting quality sleep. Now, I'm going to slide into our tea of the week. And what better tea than serenity tea, right? Because this tea is soothing. It's relaxing. You know, it's a great way to add on to your nightly ritual or maybe just midday when you need to like unwind and just kind of sit with your thoughts and just be for a second. This tea has some lemon verbena leaves. It has some cinnamon, some orange pieces, passion flower, and calomel, something that's, you know, so, so relaxing in itself. And it's caffeine-free. And, you know, it's just overall good. And you can find this tea and many more of my tea blends at beautifullyunbalanced.com slash shop. And you can find that in the show notes as well. Now, I want you guys to let me know what topics you want to hear on Time for Tea with Makita. Email me at timefortmakita at gmail.com and let me know what you want to hear next. Now, I will not um, <clears throat> keep you in too much suspense, but you definitely don't want to miss next Monday's episode. I am telling you guys, the tea gets hotter and hotter with each episode. So stay tuned. It is wonderful things coming ahead. You don't want to miss what happened next. Until next time, namaste.